Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, Father. I just... I just want to take this moment to worship you. Father, I pray, hear the cries of my heart and our hearts. Heavenly Father, I pray. May our prayers lift it up. Oh, Father, you know that. the good shepherd, Lord. Oh, Father, I pray that lives will be changed. I pray that salvation will be proclaimed. I pray that our enemies would would become our family. Oh, Father, I I pray for your spirit to be poured down. You alone, you alone can do this. And, and Lord, we need you. So today we'll be wrapping up our uh, sermon series on on Matthew and the Sermon of Mount. Um, so we'll be reading Matthew chapter seven verses thirteen through uh, twenty four twenty five. Excuse me, um, and and I'm going to break it up in, in small sections. Um, as we read, I want us to think about um, Jesus continuing his teaching, but this time directing his teachings both towards the, the leaders and also to his own disciples. 
And, and, and I think that uh, what he says is very powerful and very applicable nowadays. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I, um, when, I, when I was studying and reading scripture today, I thought about I thought about the roads and how how wide they were at the time. And this is sort of what we would expect back in a time when they had roads, especially Romans when they one of one of the primary jobs of the soldiers were builders. And so they would build the roads because well if you were to move an army to attack the enemy, you have to have good roads. But, but, but the thing is that only roads that lead to cities are as paved and as maintained as the ones in this picture. In fact, Scripture tells us that uh, oftentimes uh, small roads, private roads, would be about four cubits, which is uh, not that big, roughly 72 inches or, or six feet. Now, when we think about a road being six feet, we'll think about, well, you know, a six-feet road wide. It's, it's not, not, not that bad. I mean, I can, easily, uh, I can easily walk through that. But we're talking about a road that was probably not paved, a road that was probably filled with bushes and, and, and animals, a dangerous road. See, you, you weren't protected by... Roman taxes, right? So when Jesus was telling his disciples and those who were there to hear, travel through the road that is narrow, whew, that was uh, a little bit hard to do because, well, <laughs> Jesus was telling them to go through some dangerous roads, roads that were less traveled, See, when, when you first encounter Jesus, you, you are met with two options. The first option is to continue on, on the wide and easy path. And the second is to radically choose a narrow and winding trail. And trust God to lead the way. It's about trust. Now, in North Carolina close to where I grew up, um, in Winston-Salem, there's this mountain. It's called Pilot Mine Mountain. And, and this is the picture, Pilot Mountain. And boy, when we would go, we, we would think about the summit, the peak. But often, I was, I was younger at the time, often I would not think about the roads and the trails that we had to go through in order to arrive to our destination. See, going to the road that is narrow, the road that is less travel requires faith. It requires trust, and that is, that is the key. 
An open highway does not require faith, does not require trust. You can see the path forward for miles and miles where something that is winding, something that has bushes and animals, you need a lot of faith because you can get easily lost in trails. You may not see the trail, but the trail is there. How much faith does it require? And, and this is not the end. When I was walking, going towards, you know, the summit of Pilot Mountain, oh man, I remember walking and walking and walking. It wasn't just walking like, you know, if you go to, to D.C. and visit the monuments, you do a lot of walking. No, this walking is different. There are rocks. You can easily harm yourself or trip. You can easily get lost. And so my mind started wondering, oh man, if I just go back, I can hear the cars on the highway. Oh, doesn't that sound fabulous? My feet ache. I want to sit down. Why, God? Why have you called me to... Why is it required that I must go through the narrow gate, the road that is less traveled? Doesn't that happen to us sometimes? See, again, Jesus is teaching his disciples. They, they accepted Jesus' teachings. The disciples knew who Jesus was. And yet some of them... All of them deserted him. Maybe they're working through this wide road and they saw this narrow path, this trail, and they thought, oh man, I need some time, Jesus. Let me think about it. Or maybe they were already on the way in the trail and yet they could, they, they, they sensed this pulling away towards something that was wide and easy. But Jesus does not stop there. Finally, finally, when I, when I reached the summit, this was what I was, what I was uh, taken by. A wondrous sight, an experience of a lifetime, lifetime. It is worth it. It is worth it to have faith in God and to travel through a narrow path. All of a sudden, when I arrived at the summit, my feet didn't hurt anymore. Now, the story is different when I went down and it began to hurt again, but, but that moment, that instance... I didn't think about the dangerous winding trails. I didn't think about how sweaty I was, how hungry I was. When I reached to the destination, I was just taken back by wonder. 
If we are to follow Jesus, he is definitely going to call us to go through some very dangerous roads, roads that leads, seems to lead to nowhere. But he has a plan for us, and he has a destination. And a destination, a destination, even a very dangerous and painful destination is all worth if we are with him. I'd rather be there than be in a highway without him. And Jesus again says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you'll recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, now let me explain what I have here, and, and I didn't realize it's going to be so hard to see. Again, <laughs> Jesus is addressing to his disciples. He's saying, hey, there are wolves in sheep's clothing. And again, he's talking to those who are prophesying. He's talking to those who are already probably in the faith. And think about this. Well, are there Christians who proclaim to know God and proclaim to be led by the Spirit to do works and wonders, and yet their heart is not there? I call it chimera, a hybrid of sheep-wolf. See, those who prophesied or, or proclaimed to be Christians and yet inwardly they are nothing, they're good at doing two things. One, they're good at convincing you that they truly care about you when in fact they're using you or manipulating you. And two, they're good at convincing you that only they have the answer for your problem or a remedy for your illness. It's very egotistical. It's very I, me. Now, now getting back to this picture, I once heard a, an advertisement in the radio said something along this. Right now, you can be healed if you drink from this bottle that contains sanctified water from the Jordan River. The river, mind you, that Jesus Christ himself was baptized. Call now and say goodbye to your pain with only three easy payments of $19.99. Okay. And I thought, well, surely um, we know better. It's one thing to know better. It's another thing that when you are actually suffering, you're looking for any kind of answer. 
And I know you cannot read this, but the price sticker for this one liter plastic bottle containing quote-unquote sanctified water is $59.95. Now I'm just going to read you a quick description. And one liter plastic contains of Lord's holy water with a blue cap, very descriptive. It has a blue image depicting Saint Bernadette. You can be assured the bottle contains Lord's water have been taken from the grotto blessed by priest lords. It says here, the miraculous Lord's water has been known to have cured thousands of humans and, and animal illness. Well, that's good that animals are also, if you have a sick pet. Now, now think about this. It could be something as bombastic as this advertisement or as subtle as paying a preacher to speak at a church for his quote-unquote healing abilities. Beware of sheep wolves. Let me just reread this passage here. Verse 16, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Jesus is basically saying, if it barks like a dog, swims like a hippo, and flies like a bird, you are sure that this is, you, you know this is not an iguana. Thank you. I wasn't sure that was going to hit. See, it's much deeper than this. There's, there's order in creation. When God created the world, he created order. There are categories. Reality has a categories. That's why we, we have sort of no option but to do that automatically. My son does that automatically, and sometimes he misses, you know. He, he, he puts one category with another and mashes them together. It's like, ah, oh, that's not quite there, son, but you're getting there. A sheep does what a sheep does. In fact, we, we're just finishing this book, which is a great book, and and one of the things that we learned is that, that sheep literally cannot take care of themselves. They require a shepherd. And, and one of the chapters says that when a sheep is downcasted, right, it, when, when it lays down to sort of just breathe a little, a little and, and just lay down and rest, sometimes a little bit too heavy and they lean a little bit too far and the feet go flying up there and they're hopeless. They cannot even turn by themselves. And often if, they, if the shepherd does not realize this and it takes too much time for the shepherd to get to the sheep, the sheep will literally die because it's like this and they cannot do this. A sheep would do sheep things. Likewise, a wolf would do wolf things. In fact, the wolf cannot even help to, put, to be a wolf and And of course we know this. 
Now, now, imagine being sculpted by God's hand and being breathed on to life. And not only that, God himself called you to his likeness and image. And not only that, you say, yes, Lord, I am here. I am yours. Yes, I accept you in my life, but, but I don't want to change. In fact, Lord, I want to use your likeness to get the upper hand on others. Again, categories. You're not aligning to the correct category that God has called you to be. See, a, a, a sheep, this is a sheep. This is not a sheep. When I see a sheep, I see something frail, stubborn, and innocent. When I see wolves, I see something absolutely magnificent and utterly terrifying. But when I imagine this sheep Wolf chimera, this hybrid, well, that's an abomination. Jesus is saying, he's turning the mirror and he's saying, what are you? What are you? Are you a leader, a teacher, a preacher? Are you a pastor? And are you taking care of my sheep? Or are you devouring them? He doesn't stop there. Oh man, it keeps getting better. Now everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, I will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will let them, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. And by the way, uh, not, not every businessman is an evildoer. Um, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say here is that you cannot earn your way to the ultimate communion with God and his people. Heaven, well, not just heaven, in fact, salvation itself is not something to be acquired through skills and performance. Well, if I dress this way, and if I make my numbers, and if I'm a professional, and Lord, you know how skillful I am. That, that is not how it works. Heaven nor salvation is acquired. It's definitely not acquired through skill and through performance. 
See, the way to God and his kingdom is not merit-based. And in fact, if, if we read Verse 21, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. If you do the will of the Father. We as Christians are called to proclaim the good news, to witness God's amazing present so that people will be safe but that's not the only will of God the will of God is that of sanctification as well it is not only to receive salvation God I accepted you I accepted Jesus Christ in my heart I'm good I'm done there's nothing else I, can, I, don't, I mean I go to church I pray for I pray for my coworkers, you know God how they are. But I'm good, I'm good. No. God's will is not only to receive salvation and redemption. That's a great thing. I mean that's that's awesome, but that's not with the the story ends. God's will is to to be so changed that the old person is now dead and the new person is alive in Christ. See, it's one thing to know the truth from afar. It's another thing to accept the truth and let it change you. Scripture says that indeed the truth will set you free. The truth will not keep you stagnant. I'm good, Lord. I'm good. This is the will of God. The will of God is death. Oftentimes comes painfully and resurrection. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Jesus says that, well, if you call on my name and you say, but, but Lord, I've done great things in your name. I'm good. I'm saved. Even, even more than that. I've been called to, to the ministry. I've preached. I've done so many things for the church. Well, you think that's going to get you to heaven? Have you truly died? Is God in you? Is he changing you? Is he sanctifying you? I'm telling you guys, it just keeps getting better. 
Then Jesus says, the wise and foolish builders, right? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears his words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with, great, with a great crash. Then Jesus had finished saying these things. The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Don't be this guy. When building a home, some of you know, it requires a lot of work, a lot of planning, and of course, a lot of money. And if you don't want to waste your money, you better do a lot of planning. And if you don't want to do a lot of planning, well, I don't know what to say. Uh, been there. I don't recommend it. But sometimes it feels like, well, everything is planned out. Uh, obviously, Lord, I know what to do. I've talked to many people who are expertise, and well, they told me that Surely, this is where I want to build it, and all I have to do is do this stuff here in the sand, and, and it's fine. In fact, Lord, I, I know you want me to build the house on the rock, but uh, you don't know how difficult that's going to be. You don't know how hard that's going to be. You don't know how time, money, stress. In fact, that's the opposite of what professionals do who would build their home on the on the rock and sometimes the lord tells us things that are not easy uh, jerusalem is a very diverse place the the land is very diverse and uh, Israel, all of Israel. And in fact, Jerusalem is very higher up in elevation. And so they had to be really good builders. If you build your home higher up the mountains, you're going you, you're gonna to run into hard, this is wood, but hard rock. And that's not easy to work on. If you build it wrong, it's going to crash. It's going to fall. And you need support. You need a good foundation. There's a reason why Israel has a lot of homes that are over a thousand years old. They stood the test of time. More than that, they stood armies, they stood, stood wars. What happens when our lives 
is met with, with rain, pouring rain, with waves, with winds that are hard to, to overcome. Jesus has to be our foundation. Jesus is the only answer. When we have doubts, when we are struggling, Jesus is there. And more than that, the church is here as well. Let Jesus be your foundation. Everything else, God will provide. If you have a family member who's struggling with faith, let Jesus be your foundation. He's going to take care of it. If you have illness, Jesus be your foundation. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd rather my good shepherd be my foundation than think that I am in control of things. God loves you, and, and God is in control. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I pray that, I pray, Lord, that you would help us. Um, Father, I pray that, I pray for a revival. I pray for your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you will be just our foundation when, when the ground is not level and it's a little bit shaky, Lord, I, I pray that you would just plant us on your rock for you are the foundation. Let us look inwardly in the things that we might be missing. Father, I pray that you'll forgive us. And I pray that others will see your love through us. I trust in you, Lord. I trust that you are in control. You are taking care of things. For you are the good shepherd. No one else is like you. As we lift up our prayers to you, Father, I, I know that you love us and that you have great things for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Go and know that God is with you. Um, just to give you guys a little bit of a heads up of what we're planning to do for Holy Week. Um, so, yeah, that is swiftly approaching. Um, Palm Sunday, we're going to have a regular service at the regular time. On Thursday evening is going to be our special service. That's going to be at 6.30 p.m., and that is going to be at, uh, at Vicki's house in Hampstead. If you guys need the address, um, please reach out to her. Um, we're going to have a Passover Seder together where we look at the, the, what, what Jesus, um, the meal that Jesus had with his disciples the night before he died and the symbolism of that and, and how, how 
close it is to the communion that we celebrate here in church. Um, I, it will be a meaningful time. I encourage you to come if you can. Um, again, that's 6.30, Tuesday the 6th, or Thursday the 6th, excuse me. Um, if you would like to bring something to, to contribute to the meal, you can see um, Vicki and she can give you some ideas. Um, we're trying to, to try to keep it kosher, which is <laughs> a little bit tricky, and keep it unleavened, uh, the traditional uh, Jewish way, the way that Jesus would have had the meal with his disciples. Um, so come hungry and um, come ready to, to receive from the Lord. Also, Easter Sunday is coming up um, on the 9th. We'll have a regular service then. Invite somebody. Easter is a great time to invite somebody This because this is the core of the gospel. This is the core of what we celebrate. Um, it's the reason why we gather on Sundays is because Jesus rose on a Sunday. So um, we look forward to seeing you next Sunday and, and, and um, in the services to come. Come with your heart ready to receive from the Lord and be changed by him no matter what it costs because he paid everything for us. All right, now you're dismissed. <laughs>